Welcome to the Checkmates Go podcast. Join your favorite Checkpoint expert, Phone Boy, and his guests as they cover a range of cybersecurity topics to help you secure your everything. Be sure to subscribe and share, and don't forget to rate and review us. And now, here's Phone Boy. And welcome to Season 4, Episode 11. Mazar Hamayun is a security engineer with Checkpoint and also a member of our office of the CTO. And uh, he did an article on CyberTalk uh, talking about how businesses can uh, help their employees protect their business data. And uh, we talked about some of the tips that he put in in this uh, in this article. Um, we also talked about passwords, which is uh, something we just did an episode on, uh, on uh, password management and phishing and that kind of thing. And we, we talk a little bit about that in this uh, in this episode. Enjoy. There, there's no specific order. There are several things I listed there where like people can pick and choose where to start, which one is suitable for them easier, but the if I say the best practices or somebody can say a older term of cyber hygiene or whatever you come up with, but you start with a hardware or software inventory. So you need to know what is what exactly exists in your office or what exactly exists in your data center. Like you don't want to have a computer or a device sitting in your office network, which it doesn't belongs to you and uh, it is acting like a scanner or some uh, data, random data storage for somebody, somebody outsider or trying to record something out of your network communication. So you need to know what exactly is your uh, hardware inventory within your system. And it's not just the hardware that you think you have, right? It's also it almost yeah. it's almost right. And this is this is where it get where it gets in a little more interesting, right? Is what hardware is used to access that data, right? And because and, yeah. and and especially with like BYOD and all this other stuff, yeah. There's a whole you know you know who has you know, it's not just what systems you have, but what data well what data is on them, right? And who has access to it? Yeah. And yeah, and it's, 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 a, so it's, the question is right with, you know, with, with the hardware inventory system, it's like, yeah, what systems are connecting to the data and you should be able to get, even if you don't have control over all the systems, at least you have an idea where, where certain things are. Right. So it's yeah. you know, having, but, but knowing where your data is, right. Who, who has your, who has your data and where it's a good, that's, and, a, that's and a good starting once point. you know, and once you know, what is the hardware you have, then you need to ensure like uh, if it's a network switch or if it's a computer or a server, it needed to be updated for hard uh, software, whatever you're running on, whatever the firmware you have on that particular hardware. You need to have that up and running and you need to have it supported by the particular vendor or manufacturer in case tomorrow you have an issue or uh, you see something malicious activity, then you can reach out for the active support from that particular hardware manufacturer. Yeah, hardware will last a while, right? But at a certain point, right? There's a, there's a, there's a co- you know there there's costs to continuing to maintain it, and you know in the software, right? This, there's there's software that runs on the hardware. So you know, for example, like and, and I'll and I'll show my age as a Nokia guy, right? There's a, you know you know you get like an old uh, you know like an like an IP two ninety or something like that, right? Yeah, you could probably get it to run something close to cur- you know there, there's something close to current support. Now the hardware itself is more than ten years old, so if something 
something happens to the hardware, you you know, you're good luck trying to find parts. The software releases that 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 will run on that particular hardware are much, um, you know, they're they're definitely uh, farther back, right, in terms of in terms of versions and whatnot. And so it's hardware that was designed for a certain, you know, to to handle a certain amount of threats and whatnot. And and the threats have changed, right? And this is this is a this is you know part of the hardening that occurs with everything is yeah, hardware and software, right? And and hardware can only be supported for a certain period of time just because of the amount of uh, just because of the amount of moving parts and components. I mean, we're, you know, we, uh, this gets talked. This has gotten talked about over the last couple of years with some of the supply chain issues that have that have occurred to ensure that you have the most up to date stuff, right? And 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 by the way, hardware has vulnerabilities too, right? And if if there's a hardware vulnerability, yeah, you're only recourse is to replace it. You might be able to work around yeah. some of the issues in software, but well, ultimately, yeah. But it's like, okay, it's like the old iPhones, right? The, like the old, like the 3GS, right? There's, there's a hardware level bug that allows you to be able to root the device, right? So there's, and there's things like that, you know, the, the things that, have, the things were never designed with it, with particular, you know, to be connected to the internet or whatever. And now all of a sudden, you know, and the stuff's not getting updated. That's, that's why we change all of the versions of, uh, you know, the, the other thing too, is like this, the old software don't, won't necessarily support the new standards. Think about the migration to TLS 1.2 and 1.3 and beyond, right? Um, encryption that, standards. Yeah, the encryption standards, all that stuff, right? It's, so it's important. Yeah, keep your hardware up to date. And, you know, so, you know, make sure that you're, you know, that you're you're fully supported and all that. And you're running the, you know, we, this is this is something we run into as a, as a is a company with customers. I see it on the communities that, you know, people are still running versions of software that, that, that were out of support years ago. It's well, like, well, somebody can be uh, utilizing a 10 year old hardware, which they assume because hardware is working and they will keep running. But what is the failover? The day one day that hardware will fail, what is your fallback plan? Yeah, exactly. You cannot just walk away to Best Buy and buy another firewall or switch. No, it's it's not that easy, right? It's not that simple, right? But I mean, yeah, we yeah we can do that with our we can do that with our consumer Wi-Fi gear, but there's no you know the security implications of that are less, right? But in a post-COVID world, when we are seeing the finally we start seeing the results of supply chain delays, where like uh, hardware shelves are empty in most stores, and uh, if you are trying to buy from directly in your hardware from any large-scale uh, network or uh, other companies, some in some cases you have up to one year of the delays in your shipments yeah that's true and when you talk about hardware obviously the software come as bundled with the hardware because whatever operating system you are running on that or third-party software binaries you are running to make a website publishing or a particular application to work you need to ensure like all those binaries and those libraries are up to date and they are not uh, gonna cause you an issue like uh, log4j that's right because you need to see those and that brings up the requirement of having a good vulnerability management system which can provide you uh, to a capability to look into your software inventory look into the software versions look into the binaries and uh, development environments and see what is supported what is not supported and give you some sort of a functionality how you can fix that yeah, and it gives you some idea, but I, I will also point out the other side of the vulnerability management situation is oftentimes the scanners will collect easy to collect information like the versions and that kind of thing. They don't often do the exploit to verify that the, that the, the, the vulnerabilities that they think exist actually do. That added in other, another avenue which most organizations forget, like a key thing to be discussed or it most commonly discussed within the vulnerability management world 
are you doing an authenticated scan or are you doing an unauthenticated scan because authenticated scan can give you a lot more information on your systems than a random vulnerability scan without any credentials and if you further go down into that that brings the exploits related to those vulnerabilities missing patches how that can be how real that information is all that can open a pandora box yeah and that's where you start getting into okay well how do you how do you mitigate it in some cases right and this is and i think this we we kind of miss this and 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 again when i get into discussions with customers about like okay the vulnerability scan says x right well okay is it exploitable is always the question i ask right is um you know is is the vulnerability exploitable and that's and cuz if it's exploitable, that's that's a whole different thing. If the vulnerability exists, but you can't exploit it because it, or it, you know, in order to exploit it, they have to have a bunch of other things that are just aren't going to happen, right? Then it doesn't matter whether you have the vulnerability doesn't matter because if you can't exploit it or get or get where you need to go, if, if you can't turn it into something that's going to be, you know, uh, better than what you had, right? That's a, that's a whole other element of it. Yes, that's true. But there's another picture of that based on my previous job and experiences is if it is not exploitable today it doesn't mean that you don't need to fix because exam- biggest example is like smb2 or smb1 vulnerabilities yeah. those exist or your know, vulnerability management tools were reporting those since 2001 2002 but once somebody released the exploit code in wikileaks and then every other attack vector attack uh, actor was trying to utilize those exploit codes and try to break into using those and then finally intel came up with a fix for those yeah i mean and th- there are things that yeah there again it depends on the environment but there i might my point is is that there are yeah, they may be able to, they might exploit them in the future. And that's not to say you shouldn't patch, right? And that, that's my point is, is that, yeah. you know, how urgent is it, right? That's the real question. That's come in your baseline and your compliance policy. Yeah, exactly. So there's going to be, again, there's situations where, yeah, the, it, it's it, just because it exists doesn't mean it needs to be patched immediately, right? It's Because it, 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 it's a fun, you know, because honestly, like whether you patch something is a function of, you know, how critical is the system? How, you know, how critical, how, you know, how likely is it that this is going to be vulnerable? If it's, if it's a remote code execution, yeah, that's something you got to fix, right? If it's, if we tie this one again with the vulnerability management system is basically when you looking into both aspects if i'm gonna push a newer patch will it break my application or not yeah that's a, it's, it's a valid question right and it does happen so you need to have some sort of qa some sort of backup before you making those patching activities so blind patching is also a no-no in my book Fortunately, if you if you've got your code developed correctly, you can rolling back's not difficult, and right? it's just a, it, you know you just rebuild it, and you know it's it's that's a beautiful thing about CI/CD, right? It's ultimately it's, it's when there's issues, you you can easily back them you know, back them out. It's funny, I keep seeing this zero trust thing, you know, and we we talk it's like implement zero trust. Haven't we been telling people defense in depth for 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 twenty plus years? It's just another new buzzword of uh, I'll say try to do the basic hygiene, basic security, and ensure don't trust i used to work in dc and every morning i used to see a board on uh, 395 bridge say some see something say something yeah there, there's a there's a jingle for that by the way in case you're curious yeah. <laughs> you see something say something
it's basically you don't trust anybody you need to ensure like uh, who's coming how you authenticating somebody either it's a user or it's an application you're not just uh, giving away your service accounts to everybody because they are the administrators in your environment so you need to focus on role based assessment, assessment which like uh, thanks to nist which they bring back in 2002 under the uh, framework 800153 that uh, everybody talk about role based access for years or not in the decades so you need to enforce those principles like who need access to a particular system how long they need access to particular system if they just need one entry then you don't need to have their session for 7 days you need to limit those sessions yeah exactly you need to control the access you need to have multi factors of the authentication there like you need to have authentication control with the secure passwords but you don't need to have a password which like easy to guess and people don't change their passwords for multiple years so you need to have those enforcements around those systems to access and all those things became a bigger picture of the zero trust in my experience because i remember reading um you know the, and i had it on my bookshelf at one point the um you know the building building firewalls book that um and i i'd have to look I'll, I'll have to see if i can look it up it's an old o'reilly book um but uh you know they, they talk about defense in depth right and this this is the, that you know it, the, you know this goes back to the 90s you know the early you know the early days of when we started doing cybersecurity before we called it cybersecurity uh used to just be called it back in the day so we we have better technologies to actually achieve zero trust it's always been a goal right but we've got you know we've got these centralized authentication systems you know your you know your you know your azure active directories your octas or whatever you you know whatever you want to use for that right um you know we have more prevalent security controls smarter security controls that are not just looking at layer 3 information but looking at you know looking at layer 7 information and you know and we have we have more capabilities on the endpoint to do things and, and certain in certain cases uh your location from where you're trying to log in oh exactly yeah so there's lots of we have a lot we have access to a lot more information than we used to right so actually implementing zero trust is probably easier in 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 some sense because the technology supports it if you tried to do it 20 years ago 20 30 years ago it'd be a lot harder because um you know, the system there were, well first well it might have been easier in some respects because there weren't that many systems they there weren't that many connections to them and so you, you, you know, it was the securing it was a little bit easier but now it's you know now you can be very granular about who what where and when and why right and um and that's what you know but it, so we now have the you know, we now have the technology to quote the quote the six million dollar man that we yeah we, we do really have the technology to implement zero trust and you know organization we've been you know all of us who have been in cybersecurity for as long as we have it's yeah i think we've been saying you know defense in depth zero trust it's a it's a new marketing term but it's but it's ultimately something we've been saying from the get go we just now have better technology to actually achieve it of course you talk about modern antivirus anti malware in in a next gen firewall right these are the, but but again it's not just enough to have those right those are just you know those are you know if you still have to apply the correct policy to them um you know and this actually this is um 
you know, password management, you mentioned that, right? Password management. I think this is something that, uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's a request we, you know, or it's something we, we hear about a lot, right? It, it's, it's, you know, it's having, you know, that we, we, we think, you know, we think passwords are dead, but unfortunately passwords are still kind of the best, the, the best thing, right? Yeah. Because, you know, my problem, you know, the, I think the problem that we all have with like, uh, you know, like biometrics, for example, is if your password gets compromised and you're kind of, you know, <laughs> you can't change your biometrics, but you can at least change a password. Yeah. So, um, but there's other ways to authenticate, right? It's, it's not just a, you know, it's, 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 you know, and I think probably the biggest, um, and one of the, one of the biggest things that we've done, you know, just in, from a technological perspective, is breaking the uh, breaking up the authentication from the authorization. If that makes sense, right? So the yeah, yeah the idea being that we can we can make somebody else to yeah we we, we kind of we and, and you know the authorization is still ultimately enforced by the system that's got to do it, but we can get information from you know an identity provider, which is the the, the term that they use for Azure Active Directory and whatnot. Is is is, is yeah. Now we've got more again. We've got more information and we can make very granular decisions if, if the applications want to do it because we, we have this information we can we, we pass it along to the application and it's off you know when we and we we sign it with these you know with these saml assertions that say here's who this person is and we verified who they are and that kind of thing and it's and so you know traditional passwords right we don't you know we, we don't need to have a fixed password there's easy ways to do multi-factor authentication we can you know again based on where you are we can make we can we can decide how to we can do some additional steps to to authenticate you and authorize you right and 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 now modern there are modern systems available in that uh, aspect for the privilege access management where like your developers don't need to have access to the root they only see the mask and uh, they just need to authenticate to get access and uh, make a call, uh, api call to get access to a particular system or run a job yeah they don't you, you don't yeah yeah you don't need direct access to the hardware anymore. You, can, yeah. you know, you have access to, so by limiting access, right? I mean, it's, but again, there's, there's some, there's still, you know, we still have to, as, as a person, right? We all have all these systems that we have passwords to deal with. And, and, you know, my password manager has, I don't know, a bunch of, you know, hundreds of, of, of passwords in it. Uh, not all of which I've used in any period of time. Right. And there, and, and I, if you asked me to remember, you know, there, there's about a half a dozen of them, of course you have to know, right. Because there are things you can't get in the password manager, but, but, uh, or there's things you need to type at outside of the context of the password manager, but at the same time, um, yeah, you've got. To, there's certain passwords you have to remember, and there's certain passwords I, you know, I've sort of outsourced to the, to the password manager to, to to remember. And it's and yeah, with all the systems that we connect to, that's the you know the one thing we I think everybody can do right is yeah, use some sort of a password manager. Now we can get into arguments about whether you should use a cloud based one or, or not, right? But ultimately, any password manager is probably better than you know than. It's better than having passwords on an Excel sheet. Yeah, well, that's true. But I mean, I but you can also have the passwords written down too, as a, and physically, right? And I think sometimes that's you know we forget about we, I mean, we don't want to necessarily leave them around the house, right? I get that, but at the same time, right? Uh, you know, you got to do some something. It, honestly, like I'd rather have somebody write a password on a piece of paper than to try and remember it and forget it, right? It's it's you know as long as that piece of paper is in your house and not and not you know, laying out so people can find it, and you're probably fine, right? Again, it, it comes down to What's the likelihood that somebody's going to break into a house and steal your steal your book of passwords? It's not, you know. But uh, so any sort of password management system is better than no password management system. We can debate yeah. about the, the the efficacy or how you would, you know. Yeah, you don't put it in the cloud or whatever. It, it, that's a 
that's a horses for courses argument. I think for most people, just having a password manager of some sort is going to be better. And, you know, the, and honestly, like there's, you know, there's plenty of options out there and, you know, some of them are open source. So if you're, if you're that paranoid, you can certainly, uh, you can leverage one of those. You have to trust someone somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But, and if somebody, you know, and again, that there's, everything's a risk, right? So I, I, you know, I look at the risk of, um, you know, the risk of say my passwords being disclosed, you know, all my passwords being disclosed versus, uh, you know, not being able to remember my passwords or having the same password every other place, which is what, which is what happened, right? I mean, it's what, what people used to do. And then, you know, and it's funny because I've also gotten spam where like a password I used was, was ultimately the, uh, was, you know, was, was part of the spam message, right? So, yeah, I used to, you know back back in the day I used passwords that were a little bit easier to guess, right? Because that was that was the best, you know, that would that was, as long as it was, you know, eight characters, right? It's fine, right? It doesn't you know. Now of course, you know, there's password complexities is a, is a thing, right? Now there's some debate about whether changing your password on a regular basis is a good is, is necessary or not. I think NIST has kind of gone back and forth on that if I remember correctly, but um but certainly having complexity. And I always and I always say on complexity like all other things being equal, length is what wins, right? So you can make a long. So I would argue that it's it's ultimately like if it's a longer if it's a longer but easier to type password, uh, that might be better than say a shorter password that has enforced complexity requirements, right? Because 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 I can yeah. remember the long, you know. You can you can you can remember a phrase like the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog, but. Um, you know, can you re- can you remember you know you know G and percent five R you know two Z whatever you know whatever the thing is right? Can you remember that? No, probably not. I mean, you might be able. There's there are memory techniques to remember that, but but ultimately, you, you know, th- there's there's a there's a fine line between remembering the password and you know and not. It's like okay, well, how important is it to remember this specific password? And there's there's a few that you do that for, and everything else you do it for, uh, you know, for everything else, yeah, use the password manager to, to manage it. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Checkmates Go. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app, leave us a rating and review, and share with your colleagues on social media. And we'll see you next time.